Hello and welcome to the Golden Power Hour podcast, where we are opening doors through open minds in real estate. I'm Kristen Steed. And I'm Carrie Bedore, and we're with Golden Link Real Estate Services. Golden Link specializes in real estate agent development with a vision of helping people live the best life ever. Kristen, we have some special guests with us today. I'd like to welcome Hope Groff and Michelle Maiman from Realty One Group Haven to our podcast. Welcome, Hope and Michelle. Thank you for having us. Yes, Hope and Michelle are the founders and owners of Realty One Group Haven, and they're out of Appleton and Green Bay, Wisconsin, and they have been down a path the past year and a half that have really taken them um, on a journey through real estate in the way that they started an independent brokerage and ended up with a franchise brokerage. But what's most important is the reason why. And we really want to talk with them today about what their path was like, what their journey was like. And I just absolutely love the story that they have to tell. So let's get started. Hope, how long have you been doing real estate? First of all, I'd say that's a hell of an introduction. Thank you for that. <laughs> I have been in real estate for a little over seven years now. And uh, Michelle, you've been in real estate forever, right? <laughs> I feel like it. I started when I was five, <laughs> 22 years ago, going on 23. So yeah, my entire adult life has been in real estate. In real estate. Tell me a little bit about um, the type of real estate that, that you both have been doing. So I know Michelle, you have went down the investor path, correct? Absolutely. So I, I started actually, I started in on the lending side. And at one point, a real estate agent said to me, what are you doing? You make more money on my side of the table. So I went and met with her broker and the rest is history when it comes to real estate sales. For the first probably three, four years, I was doing real estate sales and, you know, I, I loved it, but I was watching real estate agents leave the business without anything. They'd hustle, hustle, hustle. Some of them for 40 years, they'd be like, oh, here's my 40 year anniversary cake. Let's all eat my cake. And then they'd leave the real estate business without a dime, nowhere to go stressed. And I thought to myself was probably, I want to say I was no more than 25, maybe, you know, maybe 25 years old going, there is no way I'm going to hustle for 40 years and walk away with nothing. And that's where my investor hat started going. I have to build something out of this real estate career. Otherwise it's a waste of my time. And I don't know why that was part of, I think it's just part of my makeup is Everything has to lead to something bigger, <laughs> hence Haven, but that was always my makeup <laughs> as a person. So, so that's where my investor hat and I was, and I was never in that first 15 years, you would have never seen me um, as a top producer on like magazines because I've spent all of my time focused on my sphere and my, the people that my past clients, and then building my real, my real estate portfolio. Love it. And Hope, tell me a little bit about your start in real estate and what you've been doing um, in the past seven years that you've been rocking the real estate market. It has been probably the most wild seven years of my life. I uh, did not know what, I, I didn't expect that I was going to get into real estate. And one day I was like, should get into real estate. And so um, my boss at the time, I was working in accounting at a transmission remanufacturing company down in Milwaukee. And she had her license too. I didn't know this, but I was telling her that I was thinking about getting it. And she's like, go, go get your license. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. She's held me accountable. She's like, did you sign up for your test yet? And I was like, no, not yet. I'm nervous. And she's like, get out of my office and go schedule that and do not come back in my office until that test is scheduled. And I was like, yes, ma'am, I'm on. So I did. 
And I was interviewing different brokerages in the area, and I ended up finding uh, what was soon to be the love of my life in real estate. Um, that's actually, I like right off the bat, I met Michelle and uh, just kind of <laughs> followed her. Uh, to be clear, the love of my life is my husband. My second love of my life is real estate, and uh, I do love Michelle, just to be clear. And I just, I kept... I didn't intend to, but I kept following her. I guess my team leader at the time, uh, I was like, I'm looking for a job. And she goes, find a job that you absolutely hate so that you are propelled in your real estate career um, to, to really drive it and, and build it up. And I was like, okay, so I got a job that I really hate. The, jo the job will not be mentioned publicly, but I really, it just destroyed me every day I went to it. And I, I showed up to, co to my coaching session and I was like, it's destroying me. I need some... I need to like, I need to live. I need to be excited about life. And I want to do real estate. All of a sudden Michelle comes around and she's like, I need an assistant. And I was like, cool. Can I just like type in some numbers and then go on and do my business? And she's like, sure. Well, little did I know it was going to be significantly more involved than that. I was going to grow beyond my wildest dreams um, as, as a leader, as a human, as a real estate agent. Um, so I got to be under her guidance the entire time. Um, I got to grow my business. It was awesome. It was just good. So then she ended up going on maternity leave and then she turned into a coach and then I went on maternity leave and then I turned into a coach and I just kept following in her steps and, and we just kind of looked at each other one day and we were like, should we um, like do this together? And we were like, no, no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do this together. And then two weeks later, I got a little text message, a little napkin, a little like I want to call it a bar napkin. It was a bar napkin. A bar napkin. <laughs> and it had some chicken scratch on it. And it was a proposal for us be, being in business together. And I was like, I had a glass of wine and I had a good idea, <laughs> which is how any good idea starts. Totally. Um, and, uh, and I was like, we just talked about this two weeks ago. And then I thought, I was like, okay, I know Michelle. I've been working with her for the past, I don't know what it was, five years, directly, indirectly. And she's a businesswoman and she's smart and she doesn't do things willy-nilly. She thinks about things. So I was like, I need to have another, we need to sit down and have another conversation. And the, the reason why I decided on my end, why I decided I didn't want to do it in the, in the beginning is because like, I want to wear the crown. I want to, I want to make the shots. I want to, like, it's my business. And it was very egocentric. The reason why I didn't want to get into business. So anyway, fast forward to getting this text message from her. And I was like, okay, I thought about it for a second. And I realized who she is. And, and likely there's some very, very good thought behind it. And, uh, and we talked about it and we were like, all right, let's, let's give it a shot. And fast forward two years, giving it a shot, running a team together, turned into 70 agents in a full-on brokerage. Woo-woo, that's so exciting. Yeah. I love hearing how both of you have kind of shared those journeys and there's a similarity in there of like growth and self-awareness. And Michelle, even as you talking about seeing the 40-year agent retiring, what does that look like at the end of their career? So to go from where you started to where you're at today, you right, 70 plus agents in a brokerage, like what was most important to you when you thought about the vision of starting a brokerage to help agents? Like, what did that conversation start like? And like, what, what is it that you wanted to provide for the people that were going to come and join you on this journey? I think we both have different reasons why we did it. Yeah. And in the beginning, we just decided we were like, you know what, let's just let's go out on our own. We, we need to do our own thing. We have so many things that we want to do in real estate and let's just, let's just do it. Let's just create our own business and just do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it. And that was the plan. It was just going to be, and I will say before we got there, we were looking at values and we were looking, so we started with values and went, we're not going to go to this brokerage because yes. of different values. Yes. And then where we were, we're like, we have different values and there, there's nothing wrong with any other values. It's just, you have to align with them. And we just didn't. We aligned with the people, but not the values, right? So at that point, we're like, well, here's our values. This is what we value, which a lot of, you know, autonomy is at the top of it, right? Freedom, the, the whole having people not be tied to the grind, you know, that was, that was one of the things. And then 
we went, what do we like about, you know, I've worked for a couple different brokerages in real estate and, and we know of some others and we're like, what do we like about our competitors? Like, what do we like that they offer and what would we do differently or what don't, what don't we want? Right. <laughs> and then we went, let's go find it. <laughs> it didn't exist. Okay. So what did I do? I said, let's go create it. And Hope's like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> but we did. Yes, we did. And we were like, okay, it's probably going to be just, it's just going to be us. It's going to be Michelle and I and Katie Burton. And we might have, you know, one or two other people join the team eventually. So we got an office that fit. I think there were like six offices in our first office and a conference room and a front desk. And we were like, this is great. We don't, this is going to be, there's room for growth. This is going to be amazing. We're going to be able to do all the things that we wanted to do in here and grow. And, and that's uh, not what happened. That is not what happened. Not even close. So no. you, you guys experienced some success problems, didn't you? Oh my gosh. That's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for wrapping it in a bow because yeah. that's not what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you don't go from, Hey, I think that it would be really cool to take everything and you know that we want in a brokerage and go and create it and magically turn it into a brokerage with 70 agents right and especially in the time frame that you guys have done it because what has it been 18 months yeah somewhere right around there we, December 18, 2020 2020 December so 2020. um so yeah about eight, 19 months okay but you don't go from an idea to that many agents overnight. You guys had a journey in your process. Oh, kind of right. But like, let's, let's talk about, cause you guys made a choice and you said, let's go out there and create it on our own, which means that you entered the brokerage world as an independent brokerage, correct? So you yes. were not aligned with a franchise and you took the necessary steps and neither one of you have ever owned a franchise before. Correct. 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 So you guys just figured it out, right? Like how was that? How, how talk about that process, like in the, in the very beginning and how your momentum started happening. Like, what do you think happened that you went from Katie and maybe a couple more agents to like, like that explosion of growth that you had? I think it was spiritual a little bit. Absolutely. Because what we wanted to do was just create a place where anybody was welcome, should they want to come. And then should they align with our values. We were very clear on what we what we valued and what we wanted this new world to look like. And I think the the piece of like that carried from before that, I always had this, if God brings me people to help and I have the ability to help them, I'm going to because otherwise he wouldn't have brought them to me. And he brought us a ton of people. So <laughs> did we know what we were going to do? No. Did we know that between God and our abilities and the people that we had surrounded ourselves with that we could get it done? We did. We also knew it was going to be messy. So a lot of what I kept in my mind was don't set an unrealistic expectation because real estate agents need to know that running a business is messy and they're running a business. So how better to train them to be transparent and let them see our messiness. There were good things about that. And it backfired on us sometimes by letting them that close, right? Because it could create some uneasiness. Like we're placing our license at this brokerage and they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're doing. We just didn't hide it. <laughs> it reminds me of that phrase, make your mess, your message, this journey of authenticity and inclusion and, you know, being able to embrace people for who they are and them being able to hear that and what you were saying, it wasn't like the what and the how, but it was really the why of anchoring in that autonomy and that freedom that I would sure was like magnetic. And it just started dr drawing people in like, what are you doing? How are you doing that? And again, such a great learning lesson. And it keeps coming up of like helping them truly learn. Because when 
we see people who have it all buttoned up and they've got it all figured out, but in the, like, it's like the duck on the water, they're paddling underneath the surface, but they're not vulnerable enough to let people see that part of it. It can be really hard for us as humans to learn and grow or to internalize some of this of like, why am I not doing that? Like they're doing that. There's so much comparison that can happen. So kudos to both of you for being authentic and open and just willing to bring people on that journey with you. And I have no doubt that that's what was drawing people in and saying, Hey, what's going on? Cause we want to be part of it. Yeah. And you know, I, I think part of the massive growth that happened in the first few months that we opened once people knew we, what we did, I, I think part of it is that Michelle's been in the industry for, I don't want to say forever. I want to be respectful, but <laughs> forever. And she's always been transparent. She's just always been who she is. Sometimes it's bitter in the ass. Sometimes it's been, mostly it's been good, you know, she, because she's always so honest. And I think that there's, there is that track record that she had with people just through relationships throughout 20 years that they knew what they were getting with her. They, Michelle knows who she is. She puts that out there and people didn't have to buy in and wait to see what, what it was going to be because they know what they're getting. And truth be told, that was a journey that, that she dragged me down, which is, you know, how, it, how it goes <laughs> really it's kind of how our relationship is of, you know, when she's like, we, we have to be transparent. And I was like, but can we just like study the ship a little bit before we open that transparency? And then we can tell them the journey. And she was like, absolutely not. This is just, this is, this is how I am. This is how we are going to do things. And I was like, I trust again. It was kind of like that napkin conversation where I was like, okay, I trust her. I know what she does. So I think that was the huge part of, uh, of our growth is that people already knew what they were getting into the moment that Haven was on their radar. And I think, so I I posted this on my Facebook today. I'm not going to say it verbatim. So don't hold me accountable to the exact words, but I just posted that you have to be courageous because it gives people permission to use their courage right? So that's how I feel about that. Like it takes a lot of courage to say, Hey, we're opening up this thing. It's going to be great. And it's going to be messy. And I'm going to show you that it's messy so that when your own business is messy, you don't quit. You don't give up. You have somebody to look at and say, Ooh, you know, starting Haven was messy, but Michelle didn't quit and it didn't phase her. And she kept going and pivoted when it didn't go right and admitted when things didn't go right and made a new solution so that they can go and apply that same model to their own businesses. Because if they think everything's perfect and the line goes straight from the bottom to the top versus the you know stock market graph that success really looks like, mm-hmm. then they have the, it's, it's harder to to get started when you're a newer agent, or if you're an agent and you're like, I want to grow to the next level. I don't know how, oh, it's tough. They could go, oh, I watched it be tough on someone else and look where they're at now. So that was kind of the message in the mess (laughs) that I wanted the agents to see. So they didn't quit on their goals and they didn't stay where they were at out of comfort. And, and it's a, it's a message that's being perpetuated to this day. And I don't think it's ever going to go away because we're constantly going to be on to new things. We're constantly going to have new agents. We're constantly going to have experienced agents that want to go to the next level of whatever that might be, or, you know, so it's just, it's a perpetual message for every phase in life, for every ceiling you need to break through. And it shows up in different forms, right? It's going to continue to be your message and continue to be leaders as you continue to grow and showing showcasing that to your agents is such an agent centric, um, you know, philosophy and culture that you're building. Can we talk a little bit about what your culture is and feels like in your organization right now? Cause you don't grow the way that you, that you, that you did without having a thriving culture. And you certainly don't retain agents through chaos. If there wasn't a consistent value that was happening. And that comes from the culture that you two and the rest of your team has created within your, within your brokerage. So what does that look and feel like? I mean, can you articulate that? 
That's a really good question. I'm not sure I can articulate it. I know I promote fun and we promote fun. Yes, absolutely. It's not fun. Why do it? There's so many other things you can do with your life. If it's not fun. Now I'm not saying it should be easy, right? But it should be fun. Even in the hard stuff, you should still have a little spark of energy saying, well, this is a difficult time, but I'm excited about the future of this. So I think there's a little bit of that. There's a there's a fun energy. There's a vibe of acceptance. There is a, you can be transparent. So we have people that tell us Haven is not where I'm going to stay because my intent, I would really like to develop this, or I want to be this, or I look to do, you know, ABC. I don't, it doesn't matter to us, but they know they can tell us because we're not going to walk you out the door (laughs) just because your future doesn't align at Haven because your present does. And until that individual decides they need to get off the bus, they're on the bus. And that's the culture what we've created, um, that it doesn't matter what your brand is. We're not here to say you should be, you should be luxury or you should be an investor or you should be a mega team. There is a culture of that autonomy, but we also have a culture of we make mistakes and we don't always get it right. So you have a voice and it doesn't mean just because you voice something that we're going to make changes, but we're definitely going to hear it. And if we can and it aligns, we're going to adjust. And if it's the voice comes out and we're like, okay, I hear you. And it's not going to change. We're we're not willing to do that. We're going to articulate that to that person. So we're not going to make false promises to them. Yeah. I think the biggest piece of our culture is the trust. I think there's a trust factor that because of the transparency, because of the honesty, because we're okay with messy, because we're okay with failure, because, you know, because of all these things, there's a, there's a culture of trust here. And it goes all the way back to when we decided to go indie, when our doors started getting knocked down, we were like, what do we do? We have a choice right now. And every, ever since then, it's always choices. We always say, okay, we have a choice to make right now. What are we going to do? Who do we want to be? How, how are our values coming through with this? Right? So when our, our door was being knocked down, we were like, what do we do? We weren't expecting this. Do we say, no, I'm sorry. We're just, it's just going to be our small like team, or are we going to open the door for these people to come? And then, you know, it goes back to her saying when God brings people you serve them. Right. And so that, like, it was that first decision that I don't think has ever stopped here is that we said, we're, we're not, if we wanted to do this for ourselves, we would not have opened the doors. We would not have made a bigger ship. This is not, that would not have been, that's not the selfish choice. We, we love people, you know, and we've experienced things in life that we know we've, we've fought through and we know we can help other people get through. So it, it, it was a, it was a moment, but it was a really easy decision for us because we align in, in that, you know, and we were able to say, absolutely, we're opening the doors. So we did. And then we had another decision to make where we were, we, I don't know if our agents felt this way, but we felt like we were failing our agents. We were doing everything we could. Our families were being neglected because we wanted to give them everything that they deserved. And I think they, I think, I I hope they saw that. Um, and we had in, an incredible team, wink, wink, together to to do that, to give. I mean, it was it was blood, sweat, and tears, and and we just decided that we can. It was another decision where we were like, okay, do we continue to try to do this ourselves and say this is our thing? We did it. We made the tools. We we we. But it's not about us. It's about it's about our agents, and it always has been since that first decision. So then the next, well, it wasn't the next decision, but for the sake of the story, the next decision was, do we stay independent or do we franchise? I will say that is the only piece that we weren't 100% transparent about, not because we didn't want to be, but there was a couple aspects of 
if we didn't end up partnering with, with certain franchises, we just didn't want influential words and thoughts in that decision because we really needed to make a, a company decision based on what was best for our agents and what was best for us and best for the family all together. And there was a lot of chaos and I could feel the agents were at the edge of their acceptance of, yes. you know, there's a, there's like, I can handle this much stress and there was going to be a tipping point. And I was like, that could tip them. <laughs> so that, I think that was a, you know, how, how, uh, I hate to use this example because agents aren't children, but I'm a mom. So this is how it feels. There was a moment where it was like, some things you should tell them. And then this is one that, because if we decided not to do it, it could have been disruptive to them in their careers. Yes. So we kept that until we made the final decision. But I would say that is the one time we held. And it was, I don't even say that would, that's a lack of transparency. Personally, I would say that was just waiting until it was safe, you know, to, to be able, because then there was complete transparency beyond that. Once that decision was made, then we were like, okay, we've made it. Now we can tell them because it's a disruption. It was another, you know, and they had just all come over, you know, within the year. I would say less than 12 months. So they had that change. And then we were like, okay, here's another change. Buckle up. We did it. We, the reason why we did it was, was literally for them because we were like, we can't give them what everybody else around us, what our competition can give them easily. And they deserve to have everything that's already out there. It just didn't make sense to not give them what they deserve to have as, to be successful agents for their businesses, for their families. And, uh, and it was funny because we were actually like, maybe we should franchise. So we started looking at other franchises, <laughs> Michelle poking her eyeball. Um, and we we're like, let's just see what it looks like to franchise. And then we found Realty One Group. Well, I say we, that's not accurate. She found Realty One Group for the second time. And, and we were like, why would we, re why would we try to invent the wheel, invent our own franchise, they're 14 years ahead of us. We're completely in alignment with seemingly everything that they're presenting anyway. They've got a great brand. They're fun. They're, they're, they're very fun. They're professional. They're forward. They're, they just got all of the things that we want to be. So we were like, and we, and our agents don't have to wait 14 years to get the tools. You know, we can just have it now. So we, we investigated it and we did it, but it was another decision that was, again, what are we doing for our agents? And I think that those, those, those were the two most pivotal decisions that we had to make. And they were completely focused on our agents. And they told us when we were talking about how do we roll this out? How do we not freak them out? Because we already, there's already so much disruption in their lives in the past 12 months. And the, they were, uh, the, the higher ups at ROG were like, there's going to be some fallout there. Some people lose half their people. There's one company that only lost two, but they gained so many more because of the alignment and values and stuff. And we were like, okay, we're going to lose some people and it's okay because we believe we're doing what's right. And if they want to go because they don't align with what we're doing, then it's okay. You know, it's something better is out there for them. So we reconciled with that already. When we did the conversion, nobody left. And I think it's because the culture is it, it's for them. I think we, because of the transparency, because of the honesty, because it's agent centric, that trust is built. I think that's, I think we can do anything when there's transparent trust, transparency and trust. And they've been through a lot. Our agents have been through a lot in the last six months because they went through, we're converting you from all the tools you have to new tools. And there's a whole bunch of not tech savvy agents, including myself. <laughs> that stressed us out. We went from the tiny little space that we could grow into that we outgrew within three months to our new location. And they were anxiously awaiting this build out that, you know, build outs take a long long time and then they take longer than expected mm. so they were doing that for the last six months mm -hmm. and then their broker slash me went down with some treat like three months in treatment so they have rode this wave that we it took them on and I'm not sure why they wrote it you know that I know there's that trust level but there's there's something else there 
that's beyond that, that I don't know if there's words to describe it, but they wrote it. They're all still here. I, I think the only agents that have, we've only lost a handful of agents, and when I say handful, less than five, not that we won't lose them in the future, but everybody that left, left the industry or left real estate. So it wasn't a left to another brokerage at this point. That time will happen. I am not, I am not arrogant enough to believe it won't. But at this time, we haven't had that obstacle in 18, 19 months. We've had maybe one prior to the conversion that left to start their own brokerage. Yes, that is true. I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. Like listening to this story, I'm not kidding you because I have spent the last decade of my career working in organizational culture and studying servant leadership. So I years ago did not understand what servant leadership was. And I didn't hear of servant leadership by name, but realized that it's been around me this entire time. And it just oozes off of the both of you, you know, this concept of being very people centric, very like your brokerage very agent centric and about what is it that we need to do? What decisions do we need to make to make sure that we're serving the needs of the people around us? It wasn't about profits. It wasn't about like, what's going to make our life. So it's like looking at the picture holistically. And I, my heart is exploding because it's like leaders, like the both of you is what this world needs more of. You can't quite put your finger on it. Like, why did they stay through all of the ups and downs? But I just hear in the way that you talk, you're natural way of being your natural way of caring. And even on the whole, like go deciding to franchise and the communication process, like servant leaders make really tough decisions. Like they have really hard conversations and they do that because they sincerely care about the person that's sitting in front of them. And so yes. I think about all of those things, like kudos to both of you, because I'm sure those decisions were not easy. I'm sure there were sleepless nights and, you know, second guessing and questioning, like questioning the path. And, but it's like one thing that has been so consistent, like in you telling your, us your entire story is just how it's about people, authenticity, autonomy, acceptance, you know, being able to create a culture or culture that people want to be part of. And like, it doesn't matter how long they're there. I, I think you said that yes. earlier, and that's also so powerful when Realty One Group Haven can be known as if you're getting into real estate, this is a place you want to go. This is a group you want to be part of because you're going to learn and grow and understand how to do things that no matter where you go from there, whether you stay here forever or you move on to whatever comes next for you. Like that's badass. Like it seriously is so cool. And it's, <laughs> some people can't do that. So I just want to applaud you and commend you and all of the things that you're talking about. One other piece that I'll say before I get off my soapbox, because I'm like eating popcorn, listening to this story, like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. <laughs> You know, your approach in being very transparent and showing people what it's like to run a business. We did a lot of research in the past about engagement. Like, how do you keep agents engaged in what they're doing? Like, do they understand what's expected of them? And are they going through that process? But what you do and offer them that I think is so huge is what's, I believe more important than engagement is resiliency in this industry. You have to be so resilient as an agent, like to work in real estate. And so your approach to being so open helps to inspire that resiliency. Like you're going to trip. It's inevitable. It will happen. It's a matter of, will you get back up? You know, will you take a different path? Will you find a different way? And clearly the two of you just keep modeling that over and over and over again. I've got goosebumps. It's like, yes. So <laughs> I have to, I have to laugh because I don't know if you know that I, every year I ask God for my, like prior to the year, I say, God, what's my word for the year and he gave me resilience resilience and no, I was no. like and I was like no thank you God can I please have another one <laughs> I'm like we all know what it means to be resilient you're gonna go through some hard stuff and I was like I don't want that word please give me another one and he wouldn't <laughs> so and I kept trying to redefine the word so that it wouldn't mean that we were gonna go through some tough stuff and then we had this six month long build out and we had this transition that, you know, in my mind, because how I work is we will have a transition be over in two weeks. No, it was over in like five months throughout that 
time. And then, of course, I, I had the diagnosis in January and had surgery in February, and I was down probably through through April, or least partially through April. So then I was like, okay, God, have I been resilient enough? <laughs> Can we be done? And so when you say that, it's so funny because I called my coach and I was like, can we, can you tell me what other definitions of resilient <laughs> you have? Because I just didn't want it. But God doesn't let you choose what you want. It's like, that is, that is what my word has been and has shown up over and over and over again. And I do believe it's not just for me. It's for anyone connected to me. So if you're connected to me, it is resilient is going to ooze through me to you, to everyone around you. <laughs> that is it's awesome. coming from God. And there is no other good word to replace that word. So we've learned <laughs> that as well. Um, you know, one thing that I think it's so interesting when we hear your story there had to be moments when you guys were fearful. So often that fear is paralyzing to so many people. It doesn't matter if it's in business or things personally, we let fear creep into our minds, into our hearts, into our bodies, and we stop. And I think something that you've both eloquently done is you've danced with fear because mm. it's never going to go away. And you are showing that to your agents and to anybody else that is surrounded by you and, and part of your world that you can dance with fear, you know, and I'll just use your breast cancer diagnosis, Michelle, because you brought it up. So I'm going to, I want to talk about it a little bit, but you know, here you are, what, what was it? 12 months into, um, you know, starting this brokerage bought a building, right. To support the growth. Didn't go and lease it. You, you purchased a building, designed the, the build out, made the, made the decision to leave from being an independent broker to a, to a franchise broker, which was going to change your financial model. Right. And then all of a sudden your breast cancer came back. This was yeah. not, this was the second time that you had another diagnosis. And there are so many people that are afraid to go and make big changes, but the fact that you're resilient and you can freaking dance with the fear and you are actually a dancer, which is even funnier <laughs> <laughs> and you both can come together and, you know, and, and create that bond and to show to your agents, like we've got you, you know, you've, you've really displayed just some amazing leadership and just strong mindset that is just absolutely beautiful. And, you know, it's, it's such a cool story. And I love the fact that you don't even, you didn't even knew, know what you were doing when you were doing it, but when you kind of take a step back and you think a little bit more about it, um, you know, when they were watching, they were paying attention and that is what's creating your culture. And that is what is going to continue to attract people to your business and make people stay because they know what they're getting. They're never going to be second guessing what your motives are. Agent centric isn't a plaque on the wall in your organization. It is something that is lived and breathed and your transparency and, you know, showing that, Hey, I, if, if I can do this, if I can start a brokerage and make these big decisions for the brokerage. And I can battle breast cancer while having three children and a husband that travels, right? Your husband is not home Absolutely. all the time. So you live as a single mother sometimes as well. Um, that is just, that's, that is kick-ass like kudos and hope. I mean, to stay with her on that shows a lot of what your character is and you guys are a dynamic duo and I love it. Thank you. My God, I'm not gonna be able to walk out of the door. That was like the sweetest thing. That was the sweetest thing I've ever heard. I'm so excited. This is recorded. I'm never having a bad day. I'm listening to this. <laughs> 
when you talked about dancing with fear and what I'll say to that is if it was just about me, I would have given, I would already given up and I'm going to get emotional a little bit because uh, it is about when it's about others, you push through the fear and you push through the, uh, anything that's difficult. I mean, with Haven, there are 70 families who rely on us to be resilient because it's not 70 agents, it's 70 families. That's how I look at it. The extension of that them that we are committed to, and I never forget that, hope never forget there are 70 families who depend on us to not give up when the going gets tough. And then with my breast cancer diagnosis again, honestly, the second time around after I was diagnosed was easier. I already know what to do. I've, I've been there before. I, you know, I, I said to my friend Anne about three years ago, I said, my biggest fear is that the cancer will come back. So the first thing she said to me is, well, it's back. So I guess you're conquering your biggest fear. You can get over it now. Like, you know, just like the mindset of it's here. Now you've conquered your biggest fear. You can do anything. And with that, it's, I have three children. I have a husband and my family. I'm going to do whatever it takes to put my health back in order because I want to serve my family. And so if it was just about me, Haven wouldn't exist. No. I would have quit yes. a long time ago. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I, I cracked up, Carrie, you said you guys so eloquently dance with fear. There's <laughs> nothing pretty about dancing with fear at all. It really comes back to what I've learned this year, this 19 months with fear is it goes back to that choice. So Michelle is like, go, go, go. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and, and I, I realized I learned by being partners with such an opposite person for myself is there's more pain in resisting whatever it is that is feared than the actual fear itself that inaction is significantly more painful. And this is coming from someone who is like, let me make sure everything is perfect and then I will execute. It doesn't work. It's not, it's so much more painful and not resisting that fear. And, that, and then you've got a choice. It, it comes down to a choice. When we opened this brokerage, when it was an indie, we had a choice. When we decided to go independent and we've had so many small choices in between there. And, and it's literally do I sit? I know that it's more painful to resist it. So go, just go at the choices when fear creeps up. And once I recognize the fear creeps up, then it's like, okay. And go, go. That is that lesson I picked up and I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I picked that up for my husband. So my husband watched me in the beginning of our marriage, I was resistant of things and I'd have to wait till it was perfect. And then I'd go and I either had to confront something, someone on something. And he looked at me and he was like, very casually said, the only difference between you and me is that I feel bad about having a conversation too, but I feel bad for like five seconds and I make the call and I get it over with. For some reason, you've been feeling bad about this all week. And the look on his face was like, dumbfound like why would you sit in the shit for all week when you could have had this over a week ago and have been done with and I I remember having that moment going oh I thought I felt crappy about and he just didn't feel crappy and he validated no I feel crappy too but I do it anyway and that was a very pivotal moment for me and going oh feel crappy and do it anyway. And my life got better. And the more I did it, I'm like, Oh, power. Cause there was my relationships got better with mm -hmm. people. My relationship with myself got mm -hmm. better. Yeah. So credit where credit's due. <laughs> I learned that from my husband. So yes, fear, I love fear it. is real. And that's what courage is, right? You can't have courage without fear. Yeah. There's no such thing as fearlessness. No, that's a made up. That's, that's dumb. made up. That's just, <laughs> and it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you can't recognize the danger and it's like, then you're a psychopath. <laughs> you're, right. That's right. a fearless psychopath. 
<laughs> fear is in our human DNA to protect us, yes. right? Yes. And if we allow that to rule us, we don't ever move forward. And yes. that is something that you have to learn how to conquer. And I think that's what you guys have done and you continue to do. I was laughing because I'm like, I want to get you guys t-shirts and Michelle's t-shirt's going to say go and Hope's t-shirt's going to say, whoa. That's incredibly appropriate. I know. I just, I, I can, I can picture you guys telling your story with your go and whoa t-shirts. And then eventually we'll get you a new one. Hope that's going to cross out. Whoa. Yeah. And it'll be like, I go too. <laughs> <laughs> the um, whoa is never going to end. My natural reaction is, whoa. Okay. I guess we're doing this. That's what it turned into. I mean, this is, right. this is what's really interesting is we also see it in our younger children. Young, so my youngest hopes daughter they're friends. And so we are able to see the go in Cosette, my daughter, and the woe in Fiona. So we'll watch this and it's it's so cool because it's it's our relationship only with five-year-olds. My my I'm like, let's go. And I start to go. And then I turn around and look at her at Hope, like, come on. <laughs> what are you waiting for? And there's this look on Hope's face that's like, uh, 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 okay. But the okay is more like a question. There's a question mark after the okay. She still comes, <laughs> but there's an okay. After Same thing. Cosette's like, let's go. And you can see Fiona's like, okay. Question mark. <laughs> the generational pattern has not been broken. <laughs> So if you're looking to find a partner, figure out if you're a go person or a woe person and find the exact opposite. And then you yes. can have the dynamic duo that make up Michelle and Hope. <laughs> yeah. Cause it works. It goes the other way too, where there's moments where she's like, I need somebody to slow me down. I'm like I've got a wool for that. <laughs> I've got a wool for that. that is so I would say that's where we're, we have been and that's where we are. So our growth trajectory in the last few months has been slow. And my go is itching. But my coach has said to me, there's a time to swamp the boat, aka grow. And there's a time to study the ship. And that's focusing on people and the people and systems. And right now, in the last few months, and probably for the next few more months, we are focused on studying the ship and then there'll be a time where we'll go back into growth. That's great. And, and you know, and I think what is going to be really interesting is to watch what happens next with your business and to see, you know, what you two come up with, because I think the way that you have built a model for starting and building a business and growing it and how strong your mindset is in your steadfast in your why in truly being people centric is going to allow you to have the ability to really dream what you want to do and make that happen. And I suspect that you probably have a little bored with some growth things that you want to do in the next three to five years. And you may or may not be willing or wanting to share those things right now, but you have proven success. And within that proven success, you find ways and clues to be able to take those and do it, you know, next level and, and go better and, and bring it um, to that next level at that time. And I think it's going to be incredible to see what you two do because you clearly have found a great strategic partnership with each other. And I do think that it's just going to catapult you and the people that, that surround themselves around you to that next level where they can truly live their best life ever, which is what we strive to help people do. And you're doing it through real estate. And I think that's the part that I want to circle back to is that 
you started a career as sales agents, right? And you've fast forward, you know, seven years, what is it? 23, Michelle, um, 20 ish years. Um, and, and you are in a building that you own surrounded by a wonderful franchise with a thriving real estate business that did not exist 18 months ago. And it's because you knew how to dance with the fear. You were servant leaders. You were, you remained agent centric, even though I'm sure there were times that you were not, you were probably putting more money into your business than you were actually making. And, but you've, you've done that for the right reasons and you're being rewarded in your growth because truth be told, people want to do business with people, not necessarily the the business. And you're providing that platform for your agents. And it is just, it's super fun. I absolutely love your story. And I am like dot, dot, dot to be continued to see what you guys come up with. So this is fantastic. Kristen, do you have anything else that you want to chat with Michelle and hope on? Oh my gosh. I don't know that we have enough time, (laughs) right? (laughs) No, it was awesome. I loved hearing the journey and Carrie just, you know, totally said it best. Your why just oozes out of you. Every time you talk about Haven, every time you talk about the vision of the life you hope for your agents and you know, why you want to develop them. It, I just, I really applaud you for, for the courage, the bravery, like all the big moves that you make. I think it does make the world a much better place for anyone who's looking to build a life out of a career in real estate. So, and hope Michelle, anything you want to add before we wrap up today, anything that is left unsaid that you want to throw out before we wrap up? You guys have been, Kristen, you've been a lot, a part of our journey. Carrie, you've been really heavily a part of our journey. I'm thankful that you guys have been a part of our journey and, and still continue to be. And, you know, you guys have gone through the thickest of thickiest with us (laughs) and thank you guys for doing what you're doing and supporting us always. And we'd love to support you guys. And so thank you for having us and thank you for letting us tell our story and put it on a beautiful and amazing platform. Yes, absolutely. You're so sweet. I want to hug you. (laughs) I'm going to hug you next time. I'll get you. I'm going to get you. I I will say we're not done growing. So yeah, there definitely is more to come. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here. Let's do it in 20 years and see where we're at. Wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) So stay tuned for our, where are they now? future podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you all again. That's all we have for today's golden power hour podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more ways to develop and grow your real estate business, check us out at mygoldenlink.com. Thank you very much. Have a great day and stay golden. 